We're told that Johann Sebastian Bach was technologically the most advanced musician of his era, a technician of the sacred, if you will. He served as organist, keyboardist, cantor, and music director, and his biographer, Christoph Wolf, sees these roles as stages in his life's way as a learned musician, the most learned of his age. He was especially learned about the pipe organ, the most complex mechanical apparatus of his time, he built, repaired, and renovated pipe organs and put dozens of them to the test through Saxony and beyond. But there are good reasons to see him, rather, as an inventor, an artist whose career was rooted in the Baroque conception of invencio, drawn from classical rhetoric. He invented a musical instrument, the Lautenwerk, or lute harpsichord, and composed the two-part masterwork the well-tempered clavier, in part as an investigation of the nature of tuning or temperament. He wrote the two- and three-part inventions, short, tight, sparkling keyboard pieces, 15 to a set, each of which reaches a frontier of sublimity, then vanishes into thin air. Together, the two sets of inventions take less than an hour to play, but the notion of music as invention applies to Bach's vast body of music. As one of those scholar-performers, Lawrence Dreyfus, argued in a book a few years ago, invention is the essential pattern of Bach's creative life. For Bach, an invention was an idea, a melody, a pattern, a contrapuntal motif worth developing. Invention was also a term for the act of discovery, for the mechanism, the application of rules, the habits of art that made discovery come about. An invention was a strong foretaste of composition, a workable idea developed just to the point where it could be most fruitful and suggestive and delightful to others. The idea of invention is itself worth developing it enables us to push past the preoccupations with fugue and counterpoint, theme and variations, sacred and secular, that characterize the writing about Bach's music. It allows us to see Bach not only as a technological adept, but as an inventor in his own right, a Leonardo of sound. The story of Bach's music in the age of recordings is in many ways the story of its encounter with technology, with new formats and contexts. Bach's music has been interpreted to suit new inventions from the 78 RPM record and the LP, to headphones and the Walkman, to the compact disc and the digital file. And these inventions in turn have situated the music in new contexts, taking it into the parlor and out onto the highway, into the isolation chamber of the recording studio, and to outer space, where the Voyager spacecraft carried a recording of the first prelude from book one of the well-tempered clavier. 
And now we are streaming Bach online. These are thoughts from a study titled Reinventing Bach by writer and editor Paul Ely. And his playfulness with the word invention puts us in mind of related concepts like creativity, ingenuity, resourcefulness, inspiration, and not only is the whole cluster of those words related to Bach the composer, but also reflects the characteristics needed in 2021 in order to connect music lovers with the very works of Bach. The Bach Choir of Bethlehem is the oldest American Bach choir, and it gave the first American performances of Bach's Mass in B minor and Christmas Oratorio. Since its founding in 1898, the choir has attracted thousands of national and international visitors to its annual Bethlehem Bach Festival in May. Under the direction of conductor Greg Fumfgeld, now in his 38th season, the choir's activities have expanded to a year-round season of 40 concerts and educational programs for an audience of more than 22,000. Recordings for the Dorian and Analecto labels, films for PBS and Classical Kids, and touring performances, including the Thomaskirche in Leipzig in Germany. So, the Bach Choir has a history of celebrated live performances, but a number of their performances have been recorded with state-of-the-art technology. And now, technology will enable the Bach Choir to reach the world with its live performances, and these are performances that will allow us to share the first-ever virtual Bethlehem Bach Festival, offering live streaming of concerts and events, and it is wonderful to know that we can do that and not miss another festival because of COVID. We had a chance to speak by phone with artistic director and conductor Greg Fumfgeld about the challenges involved. We've had to be very resourceful, and some people have used the word nimble, you know, creative, obviously, and we've had to learn a great deal. I mean, we're doing our Bach at Noons virtually. We did a, our Christmas concert virtually, which ended up going all around the world. It was seen in 48 states and 18 countries in the District of Columbia, Puerto Rico, by uh, more than 8,000 people in the end. And so we, we do these things, and we have an audio engineer, John Baker from Philadelphia, and then the video engineer is Bill George, who is somebody here in the Lehigh Valley, and, and they work very hard. And, and, and the other thing we've learned is that there is a real thirst for the music of Bach and the comfort that it brings and the, the hope and just the beauty of it. And, and that there are listeners, you know, in various parts of the country and the world who are coming to us new and really becoming part of our uh, expanding Bach family. So we had to figure all this out as we were going, and we're still, our, our modified festival will, will be live streamed. We will, we will not have any audiences present, but we will be live streaming all of the concerts of four, four different events. One is a lecture and then three concerts, you know, and you find out you can do more than you thought you could do. You have to respond to the opportunities and the challenges. And all of a sudden people have, I, I love one, one friend called from Canada and said, 
the Bach Choir of Bethlehem is keeping the light on for the rest of us. I thought that was lovely. A very meaningful image when we speak of Bach. We want to say then, for example, when you have a scholar such as you do from Leipzig, certainly this year the scholar wouldn't have been able to travel. So in a case like this, we have access to his wisdom and his insights from home base. Yes. Well, Peter Volney has actually been to Bethlehem before. He he came to one of our Bach at Noon concerts in Allentown one summer when he was here. And he's been a friend of mine for, for some time. But obviously, we couldn't have him here live and in person. And so he is doing a lecture for us. It will be recorded in Leipzig. He's a brilliant scholar and a really lovely, lovely human being. And so we're just thrilled that this works out. And we had, we had booked uh, George Stauffer, who's a, a, an American box scholar who lives in New Jersey. But when we decided to make all these changes, we, we put him off till next year because I'm staying another year as the artistic director and conductor. And so everything we had hoped to do originally in May of this year, we're going to put off for a year. So George is going to come next year. And then that opened up the opportunity to invite Peter Volney. And, and he was very eager to accept and. So it's all worked out beautifully. We're very pleased. Now, what goes on at the Bach archive? Peter will talk about those sorts of things. Well, it's interesting. I mean, I asked him to talk about Bach's response to challenging times in his own life. He, he was working on another, a major paper, which he will present in many different places. The title of it was Bach and the Development of an International Style. And I said, Peter, that's a fabulous paper, but I would really like you to talk about music that Bach wrote or circumstances in Bach's life, how he responded to the kinds of things people have been dealing with here in the States, you know, with the loss of freedoms and ability to do things, the loss of life, the loss of loved ones. And so he said, well, let me think about this for a week. And he called me back and he said, I really love this topic and I'm I'm very eager to work on it. You know, Bach himself dealt, of course, with the death of his first wife, the death of a number of his children. There was terrible sickness in his lifetime, you know, hunger. And so he dealt with all of these different things. And so I think it'll be very interesting to hear Pater's perspective as this brilliant Bach scholar, but kind of really getting into Bach and the human condition and how he dealt with these things in his own life. I thought I thought it might be a really helpful message for people to hear. You were suggesting right at the start how Bach has gone around the world and that people are hungry. That's the word you used. So that would be fascinating to hear about. Well, you know, I think it's, it's interesting in times like this. I think what people find so comforting is the art and the music that is of eternal value. It's not something that is here for a short time and then gone. But, you know, Bach's music will be something of eternal value and and will mean something to people forever and ever. And so I think when people are struggling and facing all of the challenges that they have had to deal with, I think what we need is an anchor in our lives. And we find that in great music, great literature, poetry, and, and of course, Bach's own uh, very profound faith and his, his deep spirituality, I think, is something that we all draw on as we face all of these challenges. So it's, it's a deep reservoir for us. 
And we know, Greg, that when you talk about anchor, the anchor always of the festival has been the B minor mass. And you have chosen cantatas that Bach drew on in creating his B minor mass. So you're giving us that wonderful experience of sources. Tell us about the cantata program. Well, our our guarantors, our audience, the choir members, the orchestra, everyone has been saying we really have missed the Mass. We couldn't do the Mass last year, and we can't do it this year. And so what I decided to do was to program four cantatas. The, the B minor Mass has some newly composed music in it that Bach was writing towards the end of his life, but much of it is works that he had written, you know, 30 years, 25 years earlier, and he goes back to a number of different cantatas. So we're doing cantata 12, and the opening chorus of cantata 12 is what Bach would then use later for the crucifixus, the the central point of the Mass. And then we're doing cantata 171, which Bach would use as the patrim omnipotentem in the credo. And then we're doing cantata 120, and that movement has the et expecto. And then we're using cantata 191, which is the only cantata with a Latin text, Gloria in Excelsis Deo. And the three movements of cantata 191 all became movements in the Gloria of the B minor mass. So people will actually get to hear music that they know very well and love deeply but it's in its earlier iterations in Bach's lifetime. And and it was music that he valued so much that when he was putting together the Mass in B minor, which was kind of a statement of everything he had learned about composition, Baroque techniques, new music, and, and orchestration, all of these things, he was kind of making a statement at the end of his life. But they'll hear these pieces in their earlier iterations, which I think will be very interesting. You know, there there are subtle differences. And of course, they're set to German texts, not the Latin text of the Mass. And you get an idea, you get a, a glimpse into Bach's creative thinking. When he would go back to music he had written earlier, he would never just pick it up lock, stock, and barrel and plop it into a new context. He actually rewrote it. He kind of reimagined it, recreated it, added things, changed things. And so part of the challenge for the choir is oh, in the B minor mass it goes like this, but here it's a little bit different. This rhythm is changed or there's a passing tone here or a different interval there. And so it it really makes people think, and I think that's a a very good discipline always for musicians. (laughs) So we're having a very good time. We're we're able to rehearse with 10 singers at a time. I do um, about 12 hours a week with 10 singers at each hour. We're working at a, a lovely United Church of Christ here in Bethlehem that has excellent ventilation, a beautiful piano, and so the singers can be socially distanced. We wear masks. So these are all of the kinds of challenges that we have to embrace to be able to do what we're trying to do. But we, we didn't want to have a second May go by with no festival. I mean, last May it was just completely impossible. But this year we can do a live-streamed festival. It'll be on one weekend, May 14 and 15, and it will be sent out, and then it'll be available on demand after that. 
And so we're, we're learning as we go. And unfortunately, Lehigh University and some of our other venues weren't able to make their decisions as early as we might have liked. So we've had to kind of make adjustments very quickly and pivot. And we've had to be very nimble. And so that's what we're doing. And I'm, I'm hoping that uh, your listeners and, and listeners really around the world will tune in and will enjoy it. And, and we will certainly do the very best we can. We've got the cantata concert that I just spoke about. The Paul Taylor dancers are coming. They're doing two fabulous dances by Paul Taylor, and that will be in the Zollner Arts Center. They are allowing 10 people at a time in their main concert hall, Baker Hall, a hall that holds 950 people, but only 10 people at a time are allowed in there. So one of the dances, I think, uses eight dancers, and the other dance uses 10 dancers, so they're in there. And then the cantata concert will be from the St. John's Lutheran Church in Allentown, a beautiful church, gorgeous church with fabulous acoustics. And then our chamber music program, which will include the Four Seasons, and one of the Bach cello suites played by our principal viola player, who is also a brilliant artist in his own right. And he and I are doing a Handel sonata together. So we have the cantata concert, the chamber music, the Paul Taylor dancers, and Peter Volney's lecture. So... Uh, there's a there's a great deal of music being offered and some really I think stimulating events and I, I hope your listeners will tune in. Greg Fumfgeld, artistic director and conductor of the Bach Choir of Bethlehem, speaking with us about the virtual Bethlehem Bach Festival, offering live streaming concerts and events open to the public at no charge. Friday and Saturday, May 14th and 15th. On Friday the 14th, the Distinguished Scholar Lecture featuring Peter Volney, who is director of the Bach Archive in Leipzig, Germany. And then at 7.30, the Chamber Music Concert with the Paul Taylor Dance Company and more. On the 15th, Saturday, four in the afternoon, Chamber Music with Bach, Handel and Vivaldi, and then at 7.30, Blessings and Benediction for Bach Cantatas. For more information on the web, bach.org, B-A-C-H dot org. And there is free registration for an all-festival pass to these live streaming events. And you can find that information at bach.org slash tickets, bach.org slash tickets. It is the 2021 Bach Choir of Bethlehem Festival and it is virtual this year. Live streaming of concerts and events the weekend of Friday, May 14th and Saturday, May 15th. For more information on the web, Bach, B-A-C-H, Bach.org.